G'day, my name is Duke. And this is Ollie. And welcome, welcome to, to Stolen Stories. You. Alright guys, welcome back to another Strolling Stories with Duke and Ollie. And today we have none other than Ronnie Blakey on the show with us. Alright Ron, where are you from? Yeah, the boys. Thanks for having me firstly. Good to see no your heads. Yeah. Uh, where am I from? Uh, originally, I grew up on the north coast of New South Wales in uh, a little town or a, an area, actually, um, South Golden Beach, New Brighton. That was where I spent my childhood, good years. Sick. So what was your childhood like? Like, what did you get up to as a kid or a little grom? Childhood was um, magic. Had a, a really, really good childhood. Uh, lived with my mum. And uh, my older brother, Vaughn, um, and yeah, we just basically ran amok in the, the streets of South Golden Beach, um, had a big crew that we used to go surfing with, and uh, that was basically the yeah. program. Surfs Sick. before school, surfs after school, had to be back in the house before um, the street lights went on, that was the only rule, and yeah, um, yeah just surfed ourselves stupid, it was great. Same as us, mum only gets worried when it gets dark and I'm still out there surfing the point <laughs> with <laughs> all my friends. Yeah, uh, that, that is a worry. Did you get up to much sketchy stuff? Um, I was probably the the, the naughtier of the, the two of the siblings, um, for sure. Uh, we had a, a, a younger brother too who was uh, 11 years younger than me, but because um, he was the baby of the family, he got a, away with a lot. <laughs> I got in trouble. I was the middle child, um, rocking roofs. Getting in fights, um, yeah, just uh, normal chaos though. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Yeah. All right. So, when you finished school, what did you start doing, and what were you doing before you became a commentator? Um, I actually left school to start my first job. I was um, just at the start of year twelve, and um, I went for a job at Tracks Magazine as a assistant editor, and. Um, yeah, on my 18th birthday, I wrapped up school, went to the pub with all my mates, and then uh, ended up moving to Sydney the next day, Sick. and uh, started working in um, just near King's Cross at Rush Cutters Bay. That's where the publishing company was, and I worked in surf magazines for about 10 years. Sick. And then, off the back of that that job, I got into doing the the commentary work. Yeah. Because Tripper was telling me when they used to do air shows, that's where he started, and he was like wanted me to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, the um, it was pretty cool actually. Quicksilver had like an, an air show series, uh, and it went to different locations around Australia. Even had an event in Japan, um, and yeah, that was definitely one of my first commentary gigs. There was like a, a few. It, it's sort of funny, but the the pathway to getting on the championship tour commentary is much like becoming a championship tour surfer you start yeah. commentating at juniors yep. then you might move on to the qualifying series and if you perform well yeah then you might get the call up to do some heat calls for the the championship tour which is sort of how i got into it i just got a question what do they look for in a commentator like what are some things that apply like they need to have energy or something like that yeah, I think um, just having like a really broad knowledge of the sport yeah. um, helps. And I, I had that because I'd been following the sport so closely with the magazines. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty handy if you've got sort of like a personal connection to, to yeah. people. And, yeah. and once you 
uh, working on the championship tour, you're inevitably traveling around with all the surfers. Yeah. And if you're just chatting with them when you're checking the surf, you, you build a bit of a rapport. But you, you, know, you kind of get yourself into a position where you can critique people without them taking offense to it. And it's, um, yeah, but I think you're right. Probably like energy, um, voice, yeah. um, just paying attention to sporting broadcasts in general. Yeah gives you a good idea of what good commentary is and you know we all have our other sports that we love uh, aside from surfing and generally as fans we're kind of watching the broadcasts and there's commentators yeah. that you like and then there's commentators Not that you don't a- actually don't like which is uh all part of it as yeah. well but yeah i think um probably just knowledge and the ability to uh talk underwater with a big loaf of bread in your mouth is um is pretty handy yeah. Do you have a um, favourite memory from commentating? Um, oh, so many. So yeah. many magic memories. Um, it's, it's a, you know, I always say to people it's the second best job in the world because it would probably be better out there yeah. competing. Um, but it's, it's amazing. You witness incredible stuff, um, big moments in people's lives, and you, you yeah. definitely, when you're there, you feel that energy. Yeah. It's magic. Even so on the TV when someone oh yeah. does a sick wave or something, you feel it. Definitely. And yeah. you definitely s- feel it in real life. Like yeah. You know you when it's a good score or something like that, and you're like, oh, that was sick. Yeah. Oh, we're, all, we're all fans of it, so yeah. you kind of, the things that get you to the edge of your seat when you see that live, that's amazing. But I've uh, been lucky enough to, you know, call world title heats for Kelly and yeah. Steph Gilmore and um, obviously more recently like Fanning and Felipe yeah. and Italo and Medina. So, like, being in there in those world title moments is really huge. But then there's, you know, great moments um like i got to call andy irons's last final yeah. win in tahiti um i got to interview the surfers after mick got um bumped by the great white in south africa yeah. i got to do the interviews after that that was pretty unique and and, yeah. and memorable and kind of just you know you can't really imagine yeah. doing those sort of interviews at a, a surfing event or a sporting event I yeah, think uh, Sean Doherty said the uh, the best thing. It's like a, a grizzly bear running out and attacking <laughs> Tiger Woods on the yeah. 18th hole at the Masters. Yeah, having a surfer attacked by a shark in the final at Jeffrey's Bay. Yeah. So, yeah, those sort of things are unforgettable. But I think it's just witnessing big individual triumphs, like the moment of someone's sporting life is happening, and you're and they've started as a junior and you're commentating. Yeah, it. and yeah. you're like narrating this magic moment in someone's life, yeah, and there's just cool. so much emotion and great energy around that so they're, they're the special ones for yeah, sure sick. and also i reckon with surfing like anything with nature you don't know what's going to happen yeah but if you're watching an nrl game you know what's going to happen yeah for the most like part it's yeah it's a different commentating you experience. know new south wales isn't yeah. going to win the state of origin <laughs> yeah. that's for sure <laughs> but <laughs> yeah it's um mate th- 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 that's exactly right that's I, I think what what makes surfing so special is the anticipation of you know, what the ocean might deliver up or, or what might happen, especially at those heavy water locations like Pipe and Tahiti. Yeah. Um, you just... Never know what's coming. You, you know all the waves are going to be pretty similar yeah. too, right? You know that they're going to take off. Have it's going to be a late drop. They're going to be trying to pull into a huge pit. Yeah. And even though you know that that is what is going to happen on pretty much every set wave that comes in, especially yeah. in Tahiti, it's almost like every wave mirrors the last oh wave. Yeah. But when you have the anticipation of that, that is like that's just sporting gold and in surfing it's yeah. you know probably the anticipation of 
the unpredictable happening is right there. All right. Can you tell us um, about managing Mick? I didn't even know mm. that. Can you tell us some things what you do for Mick and just how you do that? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with Mick Fanning for, oh, man, about 15 years now. Um, and that came after I left the surf magazines. I was doing the commentary on the tour and um, I was also doing some consultancy work for Red Bull who were sponsoring Mick and they put these programs in place to help their athletes. Um, so um, I was looking after sort of web content, uh, managing the media for Sally Fitzgibbons, yeah. Mick Fanning, Julian Wilson um, at the time just through Red Bull and that year Mick won the world title and he said at the end, he goes, that was the most pressure-free year I've had in regard to my media obligations just because there was a middle person yeah. and if he was at an event, he could say, someone said, oh, we want to interview you, he could say, oh, I talked to Ronnie and yeah. I'd help him manage when that would go down and, and make it as easy for him as possible. So at the end of that year, he said, hey, would you consider taking on uh, a media management role for me? Yes. Um, so I did that, and um, then as things have kind of evolved, you know, um, Mick's mum's always been his manager, still looks after, um, you know, yeah. all his business interests, but a lot of the um, basically opportunities yeah, for him yeah. sponsorship-wise that, that come outside of his, his current sponsors, they'll come through me, and yeah, he's just an awesome person to work with, and I've I've actually had other surfers hit me up to manage them, but uh, yeah. I just sort of know how they operate, and they don't yeah. operate like Mick. He's the yeah. hardest working surfer in the business. Everyone knows it. Yeah, and if he says he's going to be somewhere, he's there. And if he says he'll do an interview, he'll do the interview, and he just makes it very easy for people. And I think it'd be pretty hard for me now to uh, to take on anyone else because <laughs> they yeah. can be a, a little bit more. Uh, sensitive with their time and a little bit more flaky when it comes to uh, committing to getting jobs done. So, yeah, he's he's been a, a dream to work with and I, st I still work with him now, which is awesome. That's so sick. Um, we know you love your golf, but what's like the – well, what's your favourite golf course that you've played or most crazy? Um, oh, I've been lucky because the um, championship tour actually goes to locations yeah. where there's amazing golf, golf courses. courses. Um, but – I didn't get into golf until probably just a little over 10 years ago now. I was doing the commentary and there was guys like Tom Whitaker, Jake yeah. Patterson, yeah. Kelly. All playing um, golf. And his offside of belly at the time. Um, there was like a crew of people that were always playing golf and they'd say, come have a hit. And yeah. I went and had a hit. And then, um, yeah, it's just one of those games. It's it's like at, at the start, it just drives you mad. You're you hate yep. everything about it, but you you only need to hit one shot in a round to yeah, fall in love with it. And yeah, yeah. As far as good courses though go, um, oh, there's so many. But Hawaii was always really fun. Um, at Turtle Bay, there they've got the um, Palmer course. They've got a couple of courses there, and then in Portugal there was great golf courses. On Maui, when we were there for the um, women's world title deciding event, yeah. Um, there's Kapalua, which is like one of the great courses and mate, in Australia there's amazing golf yeah. so yeah that's uh it's it's a good way to kill time when the surf's crap I've got a little some fun questions coming up what's right. the best wave you've ever surfed man that's a hard question it is there's so many good ones I, I think um, for me it's J-Bay 
been a regular footer. Yep. Um, it's a wave that even when the world's best surfers are there, you know, like when it's on, the the waves come in just huge swell lines, yep. and um, eventually the lineup's going to be relatively clear. The wave's so long that even the best yep. surfers in the world ride them All way the down the end, or they get caught behind, and you get an opportunity to swoop yep. on one. But when you're on a wave from the top at J Bay, you know you've never gone faster in your life, and um, it's just a, a, a kind of a unique experience, and yeah, it's cool just standing at the takeoff zone and just seeing like a wave stretch out that you, you just can't imagine that it's going to come to an end. It just goes on forever. It looks so it looks like a hundred times better than Ninky Pop. Yeah, I think that's like probably that. a pretty fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, that's. That's a magic wave, but I mean, there's there's so many. It just depends. I, I love like sand bottom sort of wedgy yeah. waves too, um, and there's plenty of those in Oz, which is fantastic. But yeah, I think for me, the 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 most fun I've had surfing is probably at J Bay. Sick. Um, in your golf clubs, do you have a favourite club? Um, yeah, I I probably do. Um, Driving is not fantastic for me. All those long irons, like four iron, kind of down to like, or right up to, I'll say, an eight iron are just okay. Yeah. But anything sort of nine iron wedge yeah. and all those lofted clubs for me are yeah. they're my favourites. Maybe like a 54 degree wedge Sick. because I'm uh, constantly short of the green, so you need a good 54 <laughs> to save par. Sick. All right, do you have any other hobbies other than golf and surfing? Um... I don't really have time for any other hobbies. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, man, I, I really uh, enjoy just um, trying new stuff. I, I don't know. I just lo- I like I like games for sure. I love ping yeah. pong. Yeah. Don't mind having a hit of tennis. Um, but just anything active I- is good. But I've got three kids as well, so generally, yeah. like our activities kind of revolve around surfing. Sick. Golf, footy, yeah. that sort of thing, but yeah, um, not really. It, it, not not hobbies like surfing and golf. Nothing, yeah, nothing that hectic. Could, right. could you tell us about shorties and how you got the idea for that? Yeah, um, so shorties is a um, par three golf course in Sydney, and um, me and a bunch of my mates that had always gone there and played. Um, it's it used to be the Terry Hills par three. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we uh, a mate of mine found out that it was for sale and, and we just pulled together quickly a crew of mates who all love it and love having a hit and uh, and actually got our hands on it and we renamed it Shorties. Um, and, yeah, it was about five months ago now and, yeah, it's really fun. And it's, you know, it's the only nighttime golf course in all of Sydney. Um, so you can play golf there until 10 o'clock at night every night and um yeah it's like lit up under footy lights and man, it's just magic sounds so like fun sounds like my dream it is it's it's really fun and super relaxed like when you go there you really you take yeah. whatever two golf balls because you're yeah. not going to lose them um, a wedge and a putter and wedge and a putter and it's just the funnest and you know you can just tackle your mates it's way more yeah. relaxed you don't need a college shirt you could go bare feet if you wanted and um, yeah, you don't need a tea time. You just rock up, and it's been doing really well, which is awesome. And it's kind of fun for me to to move into some work that's not associated yeah. with surfing, because you know you can you can burn out even on the things you love. So it's good to to keep things fresh. Um, 
how many hole in ones has there been at Shorty since oh, it started? Mate, so many. Because yeah. the longest hole is just under ninety meters. Yeah. yeah. So about a hundred yards. And yeah. then the shortest hole is just under forty meters. So it's all right, really good true greens. Yeah, really. Um, but it's really just about um how good your short game is. Yeah. But in a month you will get like twenty hole in ones. Jesus. That's a lot. That's a lot. And um yeah, there's uh you know, there's generally one kind of every other day. You know, you hear people screaming. I've I've only had one up there, but I've witnessed heaps. There's one old bloke that's been playing up there forever. He's in his late seventies and he's had about ninety four hole in ones. That's out there. That is crazy. Yeah. Does he play there a lot though? He plays there heaps, and yeah. um, everyone wants to kind of discredit some of his hole-in-ones because sometimes he'll hit two balls. <laughs> Fair so enough. really, really, the second ball is just a par. It's not a hole-in-one off the tee. That's so good. If you know what I mean. Yes. Right. Do you have any good advice for, like, for teens? Mm. Like, anything that's motivating and that you did as a kid that you want to look back on and reflect? Um, I, I think when you, when you are a teenager you you know you probably think you know more than you do and um at that point i don't think any teenagers kind of really in a position to sort of hand on any wisdom that kind of comes later and it usually comes probably with some you know reflection on how you spent your time as a teenager or or maybe even some regrets on what you you know yeah. you could have done differently but making mistakes is kind of a part of growing as well but um, for me, like, I think, and I, I've, I've heard it a bunch of times, but, like, um, just trying new stuff and being curious, it, it you know, means that you're going to keep learning. Yeah. Asking questions is a really big one, you know, like sometimes, and it was probably a regret of mine when I was a teenager, I was almost too proud to ask questions. I, I just thought yeah. I knew everything. Yeah. Um, and you can just learn a lot, you know, and... Even even like when I was in school, like I didn't really ask my yeah. teachers questions. I kind of just sat there pretending that I knew everything that they were yeah. saying, even if I didn't. And um, you miss a lot, you know, like your teachers are there to teach you and sometimes it feels like they're, um, you know, a, a massive drag on your life and just basically sucking your energy. Yeah. Um, but they're, they've got a pretty tough job and... And if you ask them questions, they kind of respond well to it because that's why they got into it. They want to, like, educate people. But yeah. when I say teachers, I don't just mean people in your school. It can be, like, people in yeah. your community, um, like older surfers, you know. Like, when I try and teach my kids how to surf or give them advice, they just get super frustrated at me and look at me all, yeah. all angry. And I'm kind of like, hey, I've, I've been doing this for over 30 years. I've made all the mistakes. I'm, like, giving you the cheat codes, yeah, cheat codes. to getting to a better place way quicker than I did. Yeah, I'm, um, not, I'm not very good at feedback taking from my parents. So Yeah, well, it, and that's that's okay if you're willing to take it from other people, if yeah. other people tell you, like, you know, where you should sit or, or how to improve your paddling or whatever it is. You know, you can learn a lot from people if you ask questions. So that's a good one. And another one is, I, you know, I have a teenage son who's about to turn 18 and... Um, you know, it's hypocritical of me to tell him to get off his phone because I spend time off my phone. But, you know, you're, you're going to get to a point in your life where you're like, whoa, I'm I'm kind of like, you know, I'm 40. 
and like you just go holy shit that went so quick and um you don't want to look back on your life and go well i was sitting around like looking at my phone you know like that would be a really sort of bad way and most most kids i reckon can probably get to the end of a week and look at their phone and go well i was on my phone six hours every day for the last week maybe more so like i'd say like mate just get outside and you know like do something exactly just do something I mean, get get creative. Go camping with your mates. You know, like yeah. go fishing. Try spear fishing. Like yeah. whatever it is. If you if you're lucky enough to live by the coast too, there's so yeah, much so you can much get into. So that, but yeah, I think I think just being curious and asking questions is is probably the best advice I could give. All right, thank you, Ryan. We've got your little present over here. We got right. a <laughs> large doll. We're going to take it tomorrow. Large, jeez. Yeah. So it's not going to shrink in the wash, is it? No. Nah, yeah. Good. Not. Okay. Perfect. I'll, just, I'll cut the sleeves off and lose some weight if it does. Thanks so much for coming yeah, on the show, Ron. Yeah, boys, well done. This is, um, I guess, you know, you guys are on fire. It's actually inspiring to see because, you know, you live in a quiet town yeah. and it'd be easy just to surf all day and watch TV all night. But to see you guys doing the podcast is unreal and keep it going. Can't wait to listen in to see who you get on the show. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another Stolen Stories. You. You. Yeah, boys.